you know, came to this boiling point and I just, I snapped. I just snapped and we get in this argument and I attack my brother physically, start punching him. Mm. And then this overwhelming sense of guilt Mm. just washed over me. And I was like, man, you just attacked your brother. Mm. You don't deserve to live. And I listened to it. And so I go into my room and I grab my 45, I cock it, make sure it's ready to go. I sit on the edge of the bed and I put the gun up to my head just like this. And I'm like broken. Mm. I'm like really down and I'm just like, this is it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to feel this anymore. I can't handle another moment feeling this way. Right. And I pull the trigger. This is Live Talk Radio. On this episode of Life Talk Radio, we are going to delve into the complex web of addiction, but we're also going to feature a story of triumph with my guest today, Alex. He is in the house. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. But first, I want to say that if Life Talk Radio is adding value to your life and we're providing you with actionable strategies, we want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find us on all social media. And uh, yeah, it's at the end of the day, it's really about our listeners. Um, I want to say this right off the bat that you know, if you're dealing with some addiction or you know someone that's dealing with addiction, we want you to know that there is hope. There are resources. um, There are programs out there that can help you uh, recover and gain some normalcy in your life. Uh, And most of all, there's hope in God. (laughs) There's always hope in God. And so today I'm really excited because I have Alex Briquette. Did I pronounce the last name correctly? Close enough. Briquette. Briquette. Ooh, I like it. I like it. (laughs) Alex Briquette is in the building and I'm super excited to have you here, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dana. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here. I could uh, talk about this stuff all day long. It's all good, man. Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, it's not funny. I, that's a term I got to stop using. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. It's it's awesome, brother, that, uh, you know, the, the joy of the Lord and the gratefulness of what God has done for you, it exudes out of you. It really does, man. And every time I see you, you have a smile on your face and you just have a heart of gratitude. Oh, you know, thank you for letting me know that because, you know, sometimes I feel like my face is saying something else. (laughs) (laughs) I get that, man. You know, but, you know, we all have, we have have days, right? We have have days, but man, but seriously, bro, God, God has done such an amazing uh, work in your life. Uh, And today we're talking about uh, addiction, uh, recovery and progress, right? And both of us have dealt with addiction uh, in our past um, and we both have recovery covered and look what the Lord has done. Amen. Right. Look what he does with the ashes. <laughs> he gives beauty for ashes, man. That's right. <laughs> awesome, brother. So we're going to kind of delve into that uh, and, you know, talk about some some tough stuff, right? Uh, there's some topics uh, within the, uh, you know, the subject of addiction um, that, uh, you know, need to be uh, mentioned and talked about um, because not everyone is able to really recognize um, a place of addiction. Um, you do agree with that? Oh yeah. You know, addiction is, is such a huge and wide problem 
that spans from more than just drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's addiction to mm-hmm. eating, mm-hmm. working out, video games, pornography, <laughs> like true. everything, any, you yeah. can be addicted to anything in it's an true. unhealthy way. Like for me, when I, when I really evaluate whether or not my addiction, right? So I'm an addict. I loved using drugs. I loved drinking. I loved partying, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It was the way that I managed and tried to mitigate mm-hmm. how I felt on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so with how I tried to mitigate it, I didn't do it healthy, mm-hmm. right? So when I look at, uh, is my life okay or is my addiction in full effect? I look at, is it making my life unmanageable? Mm. And I can overdo anything. Mm. I can overdo anything in life mm-hmm. and it becomes a problem right if we drink too much water right it could become a problem for our body huh if we eat too much food it could become That's a problem for a our problem. body yeah if i intake too much of anything it could become a problem even though it may start out as something that's necessary mm-hmm. or good or okay mm-hmm. but in excessive amounts in the way i do things mm-hmm. it becomes a problem then when I start with something that's already bad and dangerous and addictive and uh, does a lot chemically to my mind and my body, right? then when I overdo that, it's, it's dangerous. That's interesting. So you, you said something that, um, uh, that I, I, as an, an ex-addict, um, uh, don't think about, right? And you said, I'm an addict, right? Um, that's not a mindset that I hold for myself. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, but it's very interesting that you say that, uh, you've been through a program, right? Where you, did you go through some a rehab program? I've actually gone through a couple different programs, but it wasn't until I was ready mm-hmm. that anything worked. Okay. So I've been through, um, Kaiser CDRP program, been through therapy, been a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. AANA in church and everything. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was actually ready. Did anything start working? Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So so my point is this, that, you know, your mindset of I'm an addict, I think it's a very important mindset because it makes you aware uh, of your propensities, right. And your ability to get addicted to other things. So you transfer the addiction from substance to something else, right? And like you said, it, too much of anything can become unhealthy. I've never held to that mentality before, you know? <laughs> but you mentioned one of the things and you said like working out can be an addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I, I've never really thought about that, but I am addicted to workout. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know? and there's nothing wrong with right, that. There's right. nothing wrong with being addicted to working out. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy. Right. But when you do do it like me. I try to put put up 110 dar, uh, 110 yeah. pound dumbbells, right. and then I tear my shoulder. Right. So this shoulder is still messed up because I have this problem of it's not enough. Interesting. Whatever it is, it's not enough. Okay. It's never enough. It'll never be enough. I need more. Okay. So that's that's a good a good point to uh, right off the bat to recognize that um, you know if if you have been an addict or if you've been addicted to something to keep that on the forefront of your mind and tread lightly in to anything that you get yourself right. involved in. Right. Right. Because so my philosophy is is that my addiction is. I'm trying to use something outside of me Mm -hmm. to fix inside of me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can't do it. Yeah. It's not possible. Right. But I'm always trying to use something outside of me Mm. to fix inside of me. So I had this deep spiritual, emotional 
hurt and damage. Mm -hmm. It's inside that I'm trying to repair, but instead of going to God Mm. and healing and dealing with it and addressing with it in a healthy way, Mm. I just want to pick something up and fix it. That's so interesting, bro. You know, uh, it's funny because there I go again. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) But you know, God, God has provided us with the resources, the internal resources, not just exterior resources of, you know, um, um, other people or programs or things of that nature, but God has given us everything that we need internally through the spirit, right. To overcome anything. That's why the Bible says that I am more than a conqueror, through him that loved me, right? And so sometimes it's true. We tend to forget about that and not allow that to infiltrate every area of our life, every corner of our minds. Does that make sense to you? You know, it's funny because I'm I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's sketchy. Uh, Because I forget how much God likes that I'm reliant and going mm, to him. Mm-hmm. But because of my own self-worth issues, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to God for everything because mm. then I feel worthless and I feel helpless and I don't want to take everything to him. Right. And so I get, um, I lack awareness mm. sometimes. And so why I always say that I'm an addict is because I need to maintain this awareness mm. that the way I operate is I want to quick fix. That's I want to pick something up and I just want to fix how I feel. So if I'm going through something yeah. and I'm not aware of my process, right. I will start just doing things to make me feel a little bit better. That's so good. To get bro. a little hit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit here and a little bit there yeah. to fix how I feel. And I'm trying to just like, oh yeah, I'm just trying to make myself feel better. I deserve it. I, you know, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be down, Mm -hmm. but I'm not really recognizing and acknowledging Mm. that there's something deeper. There's something hidden inside of me that says I'm not good enough. Now, was that, was that mentality uh, or that mindset, was that a learned behavior for you? How did you, how did you get there? Because it's a very healthy mindset, right? I can see it. Uh, I can see how I can apply it to my own life, right? And maybe viewers at home can also apply that. How did you derive to that that mindset? How did you get there? It took me a long time. It, it really did take me a long time. I really had to understand my feelings and my mm-hmm. emotions, right? Interesting. Um, that was the step one is to like, why do I feel this way? What am I feeling? Mm-hmm. And, and once I started to take deep dives into the internal self, right? Mm-hmm. So I stopped looking at everyone else because in the beginning I, I had this blame thrower. Right. And I wanted to blame my mom. I wanted to blame my dad. I right. wanted to blame my friends. I wanted to blame everybody and anybody and anything outside of me for my problems. Right. Because of how I felt. Right. But in reality, my feelings are my issues. Mm-hmm. How I feel is solely lives inside of me, not outside of me. Right. And once I stopped blaming everything else, for the way I felt, mm-hmm. then I had to be accountable for what was going on inside of me. Right. And once I started taking accountability for self, then I was like, okay, what do I even need to be accountable for? Mm-hmm. Is because people would do something and I'd be like, that's wrong. Well, is it? Okay. Did they actually treat me poorly? Okay. Or do I have an assumption about how they're supposed to treat me? Interesting. And I feel a certain way about right. it. And the really, the only thing that I'm really gauging this on is how I feel how about feel. it. Ooh. So how I feel is dictating whether or not mm. somebody's treating me good or not, mm. because I have an expectation. Mm. But 
expectations are just premeditated resentments. Yeah. And you know what, man, you really do set yourself up for failure and disappointment when you put your expectations off on other people, not realizing, gosh, that that's a whole nother person, right? Yeah. Whole other experience in life, whole other upbringing, right? And sometimes, you know, that's a principle. I'm glad you said that because that's a principle that I, I had to learn uh, for myself years ago. I mean, I, I had to come to the understanding that, Dana, it's okay for you to be who you are. And it's also okay for people to be who they are, right? Yeah. And and not put my preconceived notion about a situation or a thing, you know, on, on someone else. Because when I do that and they're not able to respond to me the way that I want them to, then I become disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, that's so good. I like that. Yeah. I like that, it, bro. It, you know, and we do it all the time. I still we do, do it today. Absolutely. I still do it today. Absolutely. I expect people to call me back at yeah. a reasonable time, <laughs> or I expect people to pick up the phone when yeah. I, I expect people to say yes, when yes. I ask them for help. Yes. I expect all yes. of these things. Yes. And it all started with, I'm not happy. Why? Mm. Because I had this expectation that was here. Yeah. And it's an unreasonable expectation. That's so good. I expect people to understand how I feel, mm-hmm. how I think about this, how I perceive this, mm-hmm. how I hear it, how I understand it. And then you need to know, not on top, not only do you need to know it, you need to know how I'm going to feel about it. Yeah. And you need to know how to treat me, talk to me and mm-hmm. be around me so I can feel okay. And yeah. I'm expecting you to know all this. Like yeah. how unreasonable yeah. am I? How unhealthy, how delusional are my thoughts yeah. that I expect this of you? That's good, bro. And, and you know, a lot of people live their lives that way. And this applies not to just to people who have dealt with addiction, but I think people in general, yeah live that way, you know? And man, dude, that's so good. I'm glad we talked about that. That's so powerful, bro. Amen. <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, I can say a lot, but I don't, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I think the viewers can, can understand the gist of what we're saying there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the recovery process and accountability for self and awareness of feelings and thoughts and emotions and how they work and mm-hmm. how we as a person are responsible for mm-hmm. own happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm solely responsible for mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. All of my problems actually exist inside of me. Mm-hmm. My problems aren't my problems. My problems are how I deal with my problems. Yeah. Because I was always upset that something didn't go my way. Well, life is going to show up every single day. Yep. Life is not changing. So I need to change. Yeah. I need to change. I need to be like, okay, what do I need to do to fix this? How how can I grow through this? Yeah. How can I take this and say, okay, how am I feeling about my life and why and what can I do to change it? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately I just want to be happy. Mm -hmm. I think we all want to be happy, right? But we don't know how to get there, you know, and that's the base of basis of it right there is finding that happiness within yourself and being content with who you are, regardless or irrespective of what you've experienced or been through your past does not determine who you are. We all make mistakes, right? Right. But but happiness really is finding that place within yourself, taking the responsibility for you and you alone. You can't change anyone right. else. Right. Dude, that's that's a powerful it, it, mentality. It just makes me think of one of my favorite uh, quotes from the NA textbook. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I'm 
an addict. And so I go to NA mm-hmm. and there's one. Do uh, you still passage. go today? I still go today. Really? And and I'm coming up on nine years uh, in a, two weeks. It'll be wow. nine years clean. Congratulations. Thank man. you. Wow. Thank you. That's so powerful, brother. Yeah. And so you're still committed to the process. I'm, I have to be. Yeah. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm susceptible to addiction at all times. Right. And it is cunning. It is baffling and it is powerful and it wants to take me out and it wants to kill me and it wants to get me addiction is the only disease that convinces you you're not sick Mm -hmm. no other disease does anybody ever Mm -hmm. get diagnosed Mm -hmm. and they're like oh no i'm not sick Mm -hmm. i don't have this addiction is the only disease that convinces you that you're not sick wow and so i continuously go and and so the the passage is by your inability to take responsibility our own actions, we were actually creating our own problems. Wow. The inability. The inability to take, to take responsibility. responsibility for our own actions, we were actually creating our own problems. Wow. You know what, bro? That's that's powerful. Um, but it really does stem to how you were raised, right? Mm. It's it stems to how, how you were raised. And you know, a lot of people do, they lack the coping mechanisms, right? And you know, no fault to anyone else's, but yeah, sometimes, you know, we just, we weren't taught how to feel. We weren't taught how to think. Right. And a lot of addicts I know that I've talked to, and even myself, um, we lacked those coping skills, you know? Yeah. We, I mean, we live in a time where we're all about health. Like Mm -hmm. health is everywhere. Mental health, emotional health, physical health, Mm -hmm. health is out there like Mm -hmm. in a big way. Mm -hmm. We're probably the most unhealthy generation Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Right. Because we just keep getting stuck in this delusional pattern. If we think and we understand the knowledge that we're healthy, but we're actually really sick people walking around thinking we're well and we're actually really sick. Wow. So in my Uh, childhood yeah I was raised to not talk about my feelings right I was raised to not cry Mm -hmm. I was raised to just do the right thing I just there was a set of expectations that I needed to meet Mm -hmm. and if I met those expectations I was left alone right but I was left alone I was a kid right I needed love I needed nurturing I, I I needed that emotional connection I needed this social and emotional attachments to healthy people that could teach me, that could grow me, that could mm-hmm. love me. And I didn't have that. I, I was distant with my dad, mm-hmm. my mom. I love her to death. Thank God. Thank you, mom. I love you so much. Oh, if it wasn't good. for you, I would have never made it because that's you so were the good. one anchor that I had through this whole time that said, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Like if it wasn't for her, I, I would have never cared about anything. I would Amen. never came back. Like yeah. it was my mom that saved me her like unconditional love Save me, but I didn't listen to her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't listen to anything she said. I didn't believe her. I'm sorry, Bob. That's beautiful though, bro. But I have that same testimony, man. If it wasn't for my mom, brother, and the yeah. prayers of my mom and being patient with me and walking me through my my darkest hours, man, she was the only one that I could rely on. Right. Right. Power to the mama. That's right. <laughs> mama, love you. <laughs> I love that, bro. I love that. So so were, were you able to recognize as a child these deficiencies or Not is this something all. that you, as, a, as an adult, you as look back? As an adult. Okay. So I got clean when I was 28. Okay. So my first stint into recovery and quitting, I was 19. I just got a DUI, flew a car off a cliff, like 
was a 50 foot cliff. I went right in between a power pole and the cable that held it up Yeah, and flew off this cliff and I ran into a tree about 20 feet in the air. Wow. Thank God. Wow. Because I hit the tree, it derooted and it like set me down. Wow. Walked away without a scratch. Wow. So I started going to AA, but I wasn't ready. I, I, I just thought that I knew what life was supposed to do for me. I thought that I knew where I was going. I thought that I had it like... Mm down if it was just like if this was different it would be okay right if just this would be different it would be okay and and i went back out and then at like 25 i tried again and Mm. i didn't get it till 28 Mm. and once i really surrendered to the process right right? i had to be willing like i had to come to my rock bottom yeah and then i started this process so it wasn't until i was 28 and even later like i didn't a lot of things have been discovered and revealed to me even recently. Right. And so it wasn't until my 20, late 20s and early 30s that I realized that I had not learned um, healthy coping mechanisms as a child, mm-hmm. that I had um, abuse and neglect and abandonment issues and rejection issues and all these things that came from my childhood. Right. But right. I didn't learn it until you know, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Thank God it wasn't too late, man. You know, I can tell you this, bro. So, you know, in my addiction, I think it was 15 or 16 years. Uh, I have about 17 years clean now. Congratulations. Uh, Maybe even more. I don't know. I don't even count. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long time. I'm so far removed from it, you know, but here's the, here's the, 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 uh, the, the difference in, in our experience is I never went through rehab. Right. I never went through rehab. It was just all the hand of God that brought me out. He gave me an ultimatum. It was like either serve me or you're going to die. Right. Right. And he actually met me in a place uh, uh, just in the dope house. God, God met me, you know, and said, you know, choose right now you know, who you're going to serve. And because I had the root, uh, from my mom and from my upbringing, I said, oh God, of course I choose you, you know, but it took me hitting rock bottom and it, 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 it took me, uh, uh, ODing and losing everything, losing my house, my car, my, my relationship, I lost everything, you know, but my point, my point is this, is that, you know, as I talk to you, not just now, but just, you know, as we've, as we've had conversations over lunch in different places, man, I can see the value in, in recovery programs because it really does help you set a right priority, right? It literally teaches you how to live. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I didn't know how to live. Yeah. That, that's truly what it was. Yeah. It boiled down to, I didn't know how to live. Mm. I was so unhealthy. I had grown up watching Disney movies and TV, trying to figure out how to life. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I do life? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't get really good advice from my dad or at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, for me, when I feel like I lost my dad was I was eight years old. Mm. The last time we went and played each other, we went to my elementary school, we played kickball. And to me, the relationship stopped there because uh-huh. I stopped getting his attention and I stopped trying. Okay. Right. And so from then on, I was like, all right, I got to figure out how to do this on my own. Right. So I'm going to figure it out. I had an older brother and sister. I would follow them around and try to just, I just wanted to be around him. Right. And so the requirement to be around them was I had to impress them or make like the jester, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever I could do to entertain them mm-hmm. was what allowed me to be around. But mm-hmm. if I was being, you know, if I was dragging them down, they would ditch me. Right. So I had to adapt. So my self-worth came from 
performing. Mm. And so I had to perform to earn my place at the table. I had to earn my spot to hang out with people to gain love. Yeah. And so my brother and sister, you know, they're only three and four and seven years older than me. They're still kids too. They don't know. They don't understand. Right. They're just figuring it out themselves. Right. And so I was following them around and then they started doing, getting me to do things that wasn't good Mm -hmm. at a very, very, very young age. Mm -hmm. And so starting that out, man, that, that really, really set me back emotionally because then I figured this is what love was. This is what family was. This is what, you know, it's supposed to look like. This is how you do life. And so I learned from my brother and sister and then I learned the rest from watching TV, mm-hmm. Disney movies. Like <laughs> um, Disney movies have me with such a distorted perception wow. of love and relationships and marriage. Wow, that I'm still unpacking it today, bro. You know what? Let me just put a let me just put a pin right there because that's important that you just said that because a lot of parents I know parents are busy, uh, and you know now you have you know a two parent income or two parent home or how do you say a two parent income, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both parents are working, right. right? And a lot of times, man, they what they do is they shove an iPad or phone in front of their child and they don't spend time with them. They don't nurture them. They don't talk with them, right? And dude, that's so powerful that you're 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 saying that. I want our our viewers to really understand the importance of what you just said because you gotta invest in your children. You have to because those seeds mm-hmm. are going to always bear a harvest. It's gonna grow fruit. It's gonna grow fruit, but bro. Do you want to eat from that tree? Ay, ay, ay. Do you want to eat from that's that so tree? Strong, because man. what what grew in me was resentment, anger, mm. addiction, lies, manipulation, mm-hmm. self-centeredness, brokenness. Yeah. That's what grew on my tree. Yeah. And you were eating of that fruit for a long time. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's start with this, man. So where did your addiction start? My addiction started really, really young. So the first time I drank, mm-hmm. I was eight. Eight, no, 10 years old. Wow. The day that I graduated fifth grade was the first day that I drank. Wow. I came home from playing with my friends. My parents were out of town or at a party or something. Mm-hmm. And my brother was at home alone with mm-hmm. his friends in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And right. So I'm naturally drawn to my brother and my sister because like, I just, I want love. I want family. I want belonging. I want validation. Mm-hmm. And so I go in the backyard and him and his friends are drinking 40s. Wow. And I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? Can I hang out? They're like, yeah, but you got to drink this 40. I'm like, okay. Without a hesitation. Right. Th- there's no second guessing right. whether or not the answer could be yes or no. It's right. always yes. Right. If I want love, if I want what I'm trying to get, I have to say yes. Say and that's no. the only response you had in you, right? Yeah. You had no other response. You had nothing yeah. to fall back on. All right. Nothing. Wow. So you're 10 years old. 10 years old. I, and, and then he's like, now drink it faster than him. And so this is a challenge. And this is my opportunity to shine. This is my opportunity to gain acceptance, to yeah. gain the love that I'm seeking so badly. Yeah. And I drink the 40 faster than his friend. Wow. And then the next day, my sister goes, oh, you drank last night? Because I wanted to go tell her how awesome I did. Mm-hmm. Right. So I go brag to her about like, hey, guess what I did? And she's like, oh, you think you could drink? 
drink this. And so she ends up feeding me shot after shot after shot. The next day. The next day. And end up drinking, getting blackout drunk, and end up being sexually abused. Wow, bro. By her friend. Wow. And this, I didn't realize this till actually just within the past couple of years that this was sexual abuse. Mm. Because in my mind, I was a rock star. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. made out with an Mm -hmm. older girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was a rock star. Mm -hmm. Right? So in my mind, this was amazing. Now I got this story to tell. I'm the man. So there's a connection there, you know, addiction equated to pleasure, right? It was an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Bro, that's, uh, you know, let me just share this. Kind of, You know, we're just swapping stories here, but I'm going to come back to that because this is all about you today. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to share with my, my, our listeners that, man, I remember I, I smoked my first joint when I was five years old. Wow. Five years old, man. I mean, think about that. I, I look at five year old kids now and I can't even fathom, you just know, a baby. just their babies, their babies. Wow. And I remember uh, there was a friend of our family and he was outside smoking marijuana and he called me out there and he asked me if I wanted to hit the joint. And I'm five. I'm like you. I, I didn't know, you know, right. I didn't know that I should say no, you know, but I said, yeah. And I remember we, we got high that day, man. And I'm like you, it, it equated to like, Hey, I'm running with the big boys, you know, that it made me feel good that I had, you know, experienced this with an adult, you know, and it set a pace just like yours set a pace for you. Yeah. Right. So, so let's, let's move on. Thank God that both of us, man, are sitting here today because man, those younger years are so impressionable, you know, and, uh, not everyone makes it out. Yeah. You know, not everyone. It's a very low success rate. It's a very low success rate. Addiction. Yeah. Success rate. Yeah. Like it's, it's like 10% or something. It's it's really low. Yeah. And, and so like after that, it progressed. Yeah. And so I didn't immediately start using every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, throughout the next couple of years, you know, my brother's still doing the same thing feeding me Coke and acid at a really young age. And how old were you then? 11 or 12. Wow. So Coke, acid, mushrooms, yeah. really young ages. Yeah, It wasn't until I was in high school that I started really using heavily or mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I was a straight A student, at, a star athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like setting records as a swimmer, star football player, mm-hmm. like everything I did, I was really good at. Right. I get into high school and I start... Um, my hormones start growing and I start trying to figure out what it's like to become a man. Right. And I wasn't feeling like I should, at least I didn't feel like I thought I should feel in high school. Mm -hmm. Like I was going to school, get straight A's, do the sports, but something's missing. Yeah. Something's wrong. I don't feel right. Right. And so, you know, I start feeling like an outcast. I start feeling like I don't belong. And then my friends from like elementary school had kind of like, I had bounced around at different friend groups trying to figure out life. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're treating me the way a friend should treat me. So I'm going to go get new friends. And I kept trying to find new friends just to find the people that would treat me the way I wanted to be treated, but I didn't ever find it. Right. Um, really, I just had high expectations and I didn't like how I felt. I didn't deal with confrontation good. I didn't have healthy coping mechanisms. Like right. I just didn't know how to do life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I fell back to my old friends and they were using. 
And so we started smoking weed and drinking in high school. Right. And this became my identity was be the partier. Right. Have a good time. I could get alcohol. I could get weed. I could get all the drugs at a really young age. Mm -hmm. And so it became a thing for me to be like that guy. And then, you know, I went through high school, made it through barely. Like I, I got lucky that I could walk into a class and pass a test, even though I hadn't attended the whole yeah. year, I could just pass a test, yeah. and so I skated through. That was that's dangerous. You had the abilities. I had just, the ability. I didn't have to try. Yeah. Right. I didn't right. have to try. So why? Right. And then you know, it really got bad. And when I was like 21, I got addicted to uh, Norco's, the pain pills, mm-hmm. and that's really when like my addiction started to really grab a hold of me. So that was like the, that was the spiral for, for you. That is where it started getting really bad because I'd gotten out of high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had all these crazy dreams about getting rich and doing this and that. And Mm -hmm. none of it worked out. I didn't have any drive. I didn't have any commitment. I didn't have any convictions, Mm -hmm. nothing. And so once I started taking pain pills, it like fixed that. Mm. It fixed this, the God size hole in me. Yeah. Right. So there's this hole in me that I was trying to fill with everything else, money, girls, sports, whatever, whatever I could find. And and drugs was the one thing that allowed me to not feel what I felt. Right. And so it wasn't that I was chasing the high so much Mm. is that I was running away from how I felt. Cause I love the feeling of being high. Yeah. But really I was running from how I really felt. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know how to process my feelings. I didn't know how to deal with emotions and, it just got worse and worse wow. and worse and depression, suicide attempts. Yeah. Like Let's talk about that just for a moment, man. Um, you shared a story with me that I, I, I want to talk about uh, because this was one of the lowest points uh, in your life um, uh, is when you tried to take your own life. Mm. Can you talk about that just for a second? Yeah. So I was, I think around 23, 24 and this isn't the first time. Like I'd tried to take like hundreds of pills at once to mm. try to take my life before. Mm. Try to cut my wrist before. But mm. I didn't have enough conviction to actually go through with it. This right. time I had the conviction to try to go through with it. Now before before you move on, do you think it was the addiction that that got you to those low places? Or was it uh, um was it the weight of everything else that you were feeling, like the feelings of rejection and feelings of you know, wanting to, to be, to belong. What, what was, what got you there? Was it that, was it the the addiction? So that's a very good clarifying question because it wasn't my addiction. My, my drug use, right. Is what we would attach Mm -hmm. the addiction to. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, my addiction isn't actually the drug use. Mm -hmm. My addiction is the thing inside of me that just doesn't want to feel how I feel and Mm -hmm. is willing to use anything outside of myself to fix that. Mm -hmm. So it was how I felt that took me to that depression Interesting. that allowed me to want to take my life because mm-hmm. I didn't feel that I was loved. I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe that I was loved. Mm-hmm. That was ultimately like I when can't. I break it down to everything, right. I didn't feel like anybody loved me. Right. I didn't think anybody cared about me. Right. I didn't think that life was worth living. Right. I didn't think that anything that I did was ever going to matter. I didn't think anybody was ever going to remember my name. Mm. I didn't think anybody was going to be like, that's Alex. Yeah. And he's special. I want to keep him around. I didn't believe that anybody thought that about me. Interesting. Because of what happened with my dad. Yeah. Because of what happened with my brother and my sister, because of how my friends treated me because all of these things, but it was something inside of me that was planted at a very young age 
that I was literally looking for the proof. And everything in my life was proof mm. that what I felt inside was true. Interesting. Everything outside of me was saying, you're right. You're not worth loving. Mm. Nobody cares about you. Nothing you do is ever going to matter. See these, these straight A's? Those don't matter because your dad's still mad because of this. But it was a perception, right? Right. It was the way that you thought. It was all about how I thought. It's about how you thought, man. Wow, bro. That's so strong, man. So so continue continue down that, that path. So uh, here you are now. You're 23, correct? So yeah, I'm, I'm 23, 24. Okay. Um, I have, I'm married. I have two kids. No, so I must be about 25. Okay. So I have two kids. I'm married. I'm addiction is running wild. Mm. Like I'm, I'm out there. My addiction is so strong. And, and the funny thing is, is the drug use was actually my medicine and it was actually keeping me well enough Mm. to not kill myself. Mm. And so once I stopped, once I started to try to quit is when it got worse. So once I tried to quit using drugs is when this really came over me because now I didn't have my medicine. Mm. Now I've got nothing to make me feel good. Now I'm like, this is even worse than before. Right. Right. It was bad enough, full blown addiction. Right. But it's even worse now that I'm trying to stop with no right. coping skills, with no recovery process, with no rehabilitation, with no God, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I've got two kids. My daughter's really young. She's got to be only, you know, under a year old. My son's probably about two years old or something. Mm. Um, I'm married. And she has an autoimmune disease and she's full-blown addiction. She's on chemotherapy and she had lost her short-term memory. So both of you are in addiction together. Yeah. Okay. And she's going through a bout of cancer and going through chemotherapy. So she has an autoimmune disease, uh, AS, and she somehow ended up on chemotherapy, which didn't make sense to me. Okay. She started having... Um, fainting spells, knocked her head, lost her short-term memory. Uh, yeah. And so there were days that she would wake up and she wouldn't recognize me or the kids. Mm. She wouldn't even recognize us. Wow. There was one morning I remember her waking up and she had the gun loaded and she was in the bed just freaked out. And I walk in and she's like, who are you? She thought I'd kidnapped her. Mm. And so she didn't know what year it was. She didn't know what state she was in. She didn't know that we were married. She didn't know that we had kids. Wow. And so like talk about being alone and feeling like you're alone. Right. And then the one person I have to like rely upon that's supposed to be my partner Mm -hmm. doesn't even know who I am. Yeah. Man, that hurt. Yeah. And it was really hard to deal with. And I was like, I was like, man, if I could just take care of her, if I could make her love me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe life is worth it. Mm-hmm. but she's sick right so she's sick and she does she's unhealthy i'm unhealthy and we're doing this thing and so i just i was just so depressed right I, I didn't know what to do i didn't have any tools i didn't have any support and i wasn't accepting any support either right because people around me you know my brother was around my mom was around i had friends everybody loved me mm-hmm. they wanted to do and help but i didn't know how to receive it right And so it started getting, our marriage started getting really bad. And, you know, I was getting angrier and angrier and more upset and more upset. And I was fighting with her more and more. And, you know, came to this boiling point. And I just, I snapped. I just snapped. And we get in this argument and 
I attack my brother physically, start punching him. Mm. And then this overwhelming sense of guilt Mm. just washed over me. And I was like, man, you just attacked your brother. Mm. You don't deserve to live. And I listened to it. And so I go into my room and I grab my 45, I cock it, make sure it's ready to go. I sit on the edge of the bed and I put the gun up to my head just like this. And I'm like broken. Mm. I'm like really down and I'm just like, this is it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to feel this anymore. I can't handle another moment feeling this way. Right. And I pull the trigger. But in the moment from making that decision to do it and pulling the trigger, I hear this dog bark in the backyard. And I remember my son and my daughter would go to the backyard fence to try to play with that dog. And Mm. in that moment, I remembered I had kids. I was like, dude, you selfish person. Wow. You're about to take probably the best chance these kids have at a normal life or at a life at all away from them because of how you feel. Because you're so self-centered and it gets weak. And the bullet goes out so the, the backyard. So the, the gun discharges. The gun discharges. Wow. The gun discharges. Wow. Wow. Now, I want to make sure this is clear. So because you said something that is very interesting. And again, I'm, I'm trying to relate this to, to the addiction, right? So do you not feel that the addiction had a responsibility in this or, or did it have a responsibility in this, in this decision, in this moment? I mean, absolutely has a responsibility in this. Um, but there's two sides to it. There's the addiction, there's the process, there's how I feel, how I think and how I about, how I go about things. Mm -hmm. And then there's my lack of accountability, Mm -hmm. right? So there's two pieces. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the addiction has a huge part to play in it because my addiction tells me that it's not enough. Yeah. You're not enough. Right. Life is never going to be good. And that's, for me, that's how it exists. Yeah. My addiction is the thing that tells me it's not good enough. I'm not good enough. Right. And I need to do something to fix it. Right. And it's this obsessive compulsive behavior. And the obsession starts with a thought mm-hmm. and then it repeats mm-hmm. and it repeats and again mm-hmm. and again and again mm-hmm. until I act. And that's the compulsive part. And so once the thought gets into my head, it goes over and over yeah. and over. And then my, I start having this experience right? and I don't like it and I don't like how it makes me feel. And it's dirty mm-hmm. and it's dark. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting It's uncomfortable. It's unnerving. And I'll do anything not to feel this way. And that's how the addiction manifests inside of me. Mm -hmm. And and so the only thing I knew was to go get high. Yeah. That was the thing that I knew that if I took, if I got high, this feeling would go away. Right. For the moment. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking just about people in general that, that deal with addiction. You know, we, it's so easy to label people who are addicted, um, that, Hey, it's just, you know, it's the, it's the area you live in or it's the ethnicity, you know, your background, but there, man, it's always a cause and effect. There's always something behind it. Uh, Even, even the people that we see on the street corners now that, are dealing with, you know, this fentanyl 
uh, pen, uh, 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 epidemic that is, you know, in, in our county, um, crystal meth, all of these drugs, man, there's, there's something behind it. And I, I'm sure you can attest to this too. My heart goes out, uh, when I see people who, who are addicted because it's, but it's, 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 it's further beneath them than what we're seeing, you know, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. So addiction doesn't just like come out of nowhere. Yeah. It it has to latch onto something. Mm -hmm. Right. So just like the devil needs access to us. Mm -hmm. Right. So the devil doesn't have any power or authority over us Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. until we give him an access point. Right. Right. And so there has to be something that gives him access to us. Right. And addiction, I feel, is the same way. There had to have been something that happened that we experienced. Yeah, I agree. That we that. went through. I completely agree. That addiction agree. has the ability to attach to. I agree. Because nobody with a perfect, healthy life and healthy, healthy coping mechanisms and support system uh, suffers from addiction. Nobody who has all the things needed to be a, a self-sufficient individual and human being with belonging, having their safety needs net, having family, self-esteem, mm-hmm. all these things, they don't, it doesn't latch onto them. What, because does that they person don't exist it. though? Does that person exist? <laughs> uh, I don't know if that person exists, you know, because I, I, I know that there are some, some people who, and again, I'm not in their, their psyche, you know, but they seem to have it all together. But I know I've known people that, you know, they live a, a perfect life, not perfect life, but they live a great life from with all intents and purpose of, you know, being a good life. But they still, I mean, they may, they fall into opiate addiction or they fall into alcoholism or some sort of addiction, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure you're the expert in this area. <laughs> <laughs> you're the expert. So I, I mean, I'm just that, that, that stuck out in my mind when you said that, you know? That, yeah. And there's no clear definition, right? Right. There's no like written explanation of this is addiction and mm-hmm. this is exactly the categorization. Mm-hmm. These are the identifying characteristics. Mm-hmm. This is the history. This is the demographic. Like it doesn't have addiction is everywhere. Mm-hmm. All, all races, backgrounds, mm-hmm. countries, religions, yep. everything. Yep. Nobody's exempt. Yeah. But when you have all of the things to be healthy, addiction won't live. Yeah. Right. So if you have your safety needs net, or your safety needs met, met. Yeah, there's that that access point is removed. Yeah, if you have a sense of belonging, if you have um, safety, if you have self esteem, if mm. you have healthy coping mechanisms, if you have people who love you, mm. if you have a social support network, if you have what you need, each one of these is restricting an access point like for addiction that. to get in. I like that. Right. And so some people just have an unlimited breadth of mm. access yeah. for addiction to come at them. Yeah. And it's part of the recovery process to start eliminating these things. Yeah. And that's why the 12 step process is so effective is, mm. is that it's really identified how addiction um, works in an individual. And there's this process, but you can't duplicate my recovery process for and sure. expect it to work for you. For and sure. I can't take your recovery process and expect it to work for, for me. Sure. It is unique to every single individual because we are so unique and yeah. we have so many different experiences. Yeah. Right. And so 
the recovery process for me is on three relationships. Okay. A relationship with self, yeah. a relationship with others, yeah. and a relationship with God. Yeah. And all 12 steps are based around one of those three relationships, sometimes both of them. Mm-hmm. And so if you can focus on these three relationships, and if you could walk through the 12 steps, honestly, openly, and willingly, mm-hmm. you could transform your life. Yeah. And these are basic instructions. Once you walk through it, you start getting this reprieve, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've been suffering. You've, you've been sad. You've been strucken with guilt and shame and remorse and rejection and yeah. all these horrible, icky feelings that you just can't seem to break out of. Yeah. And as you walk through this, you start getting a rest from it. Mm. That's good. So, so it's, 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 but it's really taking down that, that curtain and, or that shield, you know, however you want to phrase that and allowing life to really, to hit you. Right. And getting in touch with yourself, you know, and allowing yourself to feel certain things and it's okay to feel those things. I want to read something to you. I'm going to come back because I want to pick up where you just left off with your suicide attempt. Okay. okay. But I want to read a couple of things to you that I, I found very interesting. Here's some addition uh, statistics. And it says the first one is 13.5% of young adults ages 18 to 25 have had a substance abuse disorder. 13.5% 18 to 25. And that's only reported. That's only, that's only diagnosed. Exactly. You know, exactly. Exactly. Check this one out. Nearly one in three adults have had a substance abuse disorder or a mental illness in the last year. One out of three, right? Those, these are, these are heavy statistics, man. 46% of young adults, 18 to 25 has had a substance abuse. So one out of three adults and then young adults, 18 to 25, that's crazy. That's right. Too many people. That's too many people, my friend. And it just, it shows you that the world that we live in today with all the social media and the outside influences that are coming at us and the lack of time, right? We've, we've lost time, you know, and all these things really do add to the, um, uh, the onslaught, onslaught of, you know, disorders and behavioral and, uh, you know, issues and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, society and how like the world expects people to behave and Mm. know and operate in is just unrealistic. It's unrealistic. Yeah. You know, it's just too much. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just too much because all of those disorders, mental illness, substance abuse, it is the signs and symptoms of mm. something deeper. Yeah. Right. So when you're sick, yeah. the signs and symptoms are cough, mm. cold sweats, mm-hmm. running nose, mm-hmm. a fever. Right. So these are the signs and the symptoms mm-hmm. of, of a virus that's inside your body. Right. Yeah. And so substance abuse and mental illness is the sign and the symptom of something deeper. And you know what, bro? You said it earlier. It's a, it's that God 
size void and mm-hmm. people are searching and looking for love in all the wrong places without understanding that hey the creator he wants relationship with you he wants he wants to love you and he wants you to love him and when we do that man i tell you and that's how you have recovered and that's how i have recovered that we've figured out hey only god yeah. can can fill that place you know amen you know it, it it's all about a sense of purpose and being Mm. like, do I have value? Mm -hmm. Do I have purpose? And you do. I do, but I didn't, I couldn't find it in anything else. Right. Right. I couldn't find it. I was searching. Right. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know where to go. I didn't even know what I wanted. But you know what, bro, look at the power and the beauty in your experience. You know, man, we're getting close to the, to the top of the hour here and we've got so much more to talk about. (laughs) Um, so I want, let's get caught up. So after your, after your suicide attempt, give me like two minutes of how you found your place of recovery. And then I want to talk about the things that you are doing today, which is mind blowing. Good. (laughs) (laughs) It's so powerful, bro. So how did you find your place of recovery? Let's talk about that. So it started with my coming to Jesus moment in Mm. jail, Mm -hmm. right? I had my coming to Jesus moment where I finally prayed a real prayer Mm -hmm. instead of asking God to fix me, to give me money, to help me win the lottery. Mm -hmm. I was like, God, (laughs) I I prayed that prayer. (laughs) We all have. (laughs) And I was like, God, I know you're real. I don't know if I'm going to prison or not, Mm. but whether I get out tomorrow, if I get out in 10 years, I promise you, Mm. if you put the path before me, Mm -hmm. I will walk it. Yeah. And I was supposed to be going to prison. And the very next day I go talk to the DA and I tell him the truth. I'm like, I did it. I I shouldn't have been driving. Mm. Like I shouldn't have been doing this. And he looks at me, he goes, hold on. He goes to the DA, comes back and says, you don't belong here. You're getting out today. Wow. And so this is, be, I'm, I wasn't a believer at this point, right? I was grown to not have a faith. I'm mm. the first Christian in my family. I'm the wow. only Christian in my family. Wow. And so this was the turning point where I took accountability for my own actions. Even though I wasn't happy with how my life had turned out, I was like, at least I'm going to be in control. I'm going to be responsible for what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to a 12-step meeting and I didn't get clean right away. Mm. I was nodding out in meetings, like literally nodding out, drooling on myself in a recovery (laughs) meeting. Wow. And so I went to recovery meetings and I started working the steps. And I didn't know what I was gonna do. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I knew that the way I was living, I didn't want that. Mm. That's all I knew. I don't want that anymore. Mm. I I can't live like that. Mm -hmm. It hurts too much. It's too dark. Right. It's too painful. I can't live that anymore. All I know is I don't want that. Right. If the only thing I needed to know was if I I don't want that, that's all I needed. Right. I just don't want, don't want that. that. Yeah. And so I got into the 12-step meetings and I got into recovery and I got a sponsor and I started working the steps and I started learning what honesty was. Mm. Like real honesty. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not happy because you hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like I had to be honest about that because I couldn't be honest about that. I couldn't man up and say, you hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that was just too much for right. me. <laughs> I, I couldn't have that. It is that, for most men. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to learn that like, man, that hurt my feelings. Yeah. And, and so I start going through this process and, and I find God. Mm. And so I'm working my steps and I, work my fourth step, which is by far my favorite step. If anybody's in recovery, I know you're afraid of the fourth step, but I promise you, 
if you do it with full honesty and transparency and you get through it and you tell this to another person, you tell it to God, you will gain freedom. Mm. It is my favorite and is the best step. And what is the step number four? Step number four is made a moral and fearless inventory of our wrongdoings. Mm. And, and I may be not paraphrasing. Might not be quoting it right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's what it is. You do this inventory of yourself and okay. all the wrong, all the harm you've done. Jeez. And 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 I had to outline why the things that I repeatedly did. Mm. So I had this pattern of sin, and I had this pattern of doing the wrong thing over and over and over and over again. And I had to dive into what I did, why I did it, and where this came from. Mm. And when I found where it came from gave me freedom because I knew I always thought that I was just a bad person. Mm. I just thought I was a bad person, but I didn't realize that I was a hurt person. Yeah. 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 I was hurting. And because I was hurt, I was hurting other people. Yeah. And once I realized my pattern and why I was doing it, because I realized that I didn't have the love and affection I needed. I was chasing my dad my whole life Mm. And I didn't know how to be a man. And I was trying to find how to be a man in between the legs of a woman. Mm. And I was doing this and I didn't know why. Right. And once I worked this step and I realized that I hurt other people because I was hurt. Right. I made this commitment to myself. I never want to hurt anybody ever again. Right. Because I was so hurt. And that's why I kept hurting over and over and over again because I was hurt. Yeah. And once I found out, that's why I couldn't look somebody in the face and be around them mm. and hurt them. Right. Because I was just making myself over again. Yeah. And so after working the fourth step, I gained this freedom. And um, I started like trying to figure out what God was. And it says, you know, in the 12 steps, um, you came to believe that power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. And you're allowed to have a higher power of your own understanding. Mm. And what I found out was that if my higher power is of my understanding, then my higher power, my God, is limited by my thinking. So good. I can't have that. So good. Because I'm the problem. So good. I can't be the solution. Been I'm there, the done problem. That. Been there, done that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, if... If my higher power is limited by my own thinking, I can't think of a God that's greater than anything that can save me. Mm. I can't fathom that because if I could fathom a savior, I would have already saved myself. Yep. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the love. I don't have the forgiveness. I don't have it. And so my God, my higher power is limited by my moral ethics and my moral code, which is garbage. Right. So I had to find a God that was greater than my own thinking. Mm. I had to find a God that was outside. I had to find a God that could transcend my pain, my hurt, my life, the the nonsense of this world. I had to find a God that was greater than that. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Yeah. And he had come to me two years before and I still didn't even believe in him. He wow. saved me from prison and wow. I still didn't even believe in yeah. him. Dude, I love that. That, But that's beautiful, man, because he's such a good God. He's such a compassionate God and he allows us our very human moments, our very human bad decisions, our very human infractions. He allows all of that, bro. And he still loves us into relationship. 
He still yeah. does. And so you found you found Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And you've been living for the Lord, right? <laughs> you have this great, beautiful smile on you all the time, bro. <laughs> it's so it's so heartwarming, brother. I'm so thankful, man, that that you that you have been um uh, able to survive and now you are reaching back and you are helping so many people that have been in your situation, bro. We're at the top of the hour. Again, we have so much that we can talk about, but tell the listeners what you're doing now and tell them of the things that you are, you are involved with now. Yeah. So right now I work for Legacy Alliance Outreach and we're a nonprofit based here out of Modesto uh, that serves those in need. Yeah. Right. So there's a big gap between services provided mm-hmm. and the services that those in need actually mm-hmm. receive. Mm-hmm. And so we serve individuals in a holistic manner because we've been there. Yeah. Right. And so we help people with um, coming out of prison. Right. Reentry services. Reentry, rehabilitation, mm-hmm. wraparound services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do uh, youth programs where we help at-risk youth, which is basically all of our youth, right? Yeah. So let me, I don't <laughs> like, I don't like that term at-risk youth because yeah. all of our all youth, of our are, youth at risk. are at risk. Yeah. Every single one of mm-hmm. our kids is at risk because we have so much access right. to the things of this world that are not good for us. Right. And it's that quick fix that every kid gets addicted to and is attracted to yeah. because they all want love right they all want a sense of belonging they want validation they want safety right and they're finding it in everything else mm. that they but they're not looking in the right place right, right but so all of our kids are at risk and so we do um enrichment programs we do after school programs we do violence intervention we do prevention we do substance abuse we do mental health yeah we do transportation we do transitional housing we do in-prison programming and that's just on the nonprofit side. And I could keep going on forever and ever. We do case management, a whole yeah, bunch of yeah, other yeah, things. Yeah. And then for the for-profit, for MBS consultants, mm-hmm. I'm a consultant. And we provide uh, coaching, training, and services for professionals. So we focus on uh, educators, law enforcement, and professionals. And so what we do is we try to bring humanity back into the systems that is historically creating trauma and creating the pipeline to prison mm-hmm. and so we, we do a lot of work with that and we're actually going across the country because we got a contract with another big named organization that yeah. i won't put out there but yeah. we get to travel to new york and indiana and all over the country to do revitalization work and, and the work that we're doing here in modesto that is needed so desperately everywhere else yeah which is figuring out why it is that people are living these lives and they're kind of just like tucked mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so to really like bring it to the surface of mm-hmm. and, and see it for what it really is. Right. Because people identify as, oh, they're just poor and they need to learn how to make exactly, more money. Well, exactly. They're not just poor by choice. This right. isn't something that they have, you know, just been like, oh, I'm, I want to be poor and right. I want to suffer. No. On a base level, there's these two truths that I believe in. All are suffering mm-hmm. and we all want to be happy. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for these individuals that are suffering, we have to figure out why and we have to figure out how to help them because just throwing them a little bit of money here and there mm-hmm. isn't going to fix the problem because right. the problem is way deeper. Right. Right. My problems were way deeper. 
my problems were so deep, I'm still uncovering them today, nine years later. Yeah. My problems are so deep that I have to have this awareness to pull it out and realize how it shows up in my daily life. Mm-hmm. And so we're going around changing the way people look at those that are disenfranchised, yeah. those that have been set aside, those that have been like, oh, that's just them. No, right. this isn't everybody problem. Right. This isn't just a they problem. This right. isn't just a you problem. This is a us problem. Right. And we all need to understand. We all need to be on the same page because if we keep going about our business like that's not my problem, then, mm-hmm. well, we're just being ignorant. And yeah. We can't keep going on like that. Bro, that's so beautiful. We are in life together, man. And it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white. It doesn't matter who you are. I want you to know here at Life Talk Radio that you have value and that you are the apple of God's eye. And if you're dealing with some sort of addiction or you know someone that's dealing with addiction, I said it at the top of the hour, know that you have value and there is hope. My man, Alex here, I'm just so excited that you were uh, able to stop by the show, man, and share your testimony with, with, with our viewers. Thank you so much. As we are closing, do me a favor and just look in the camera and talk just for 60 seconds to anyone that may be struggling or know someone that is struggling. Yeah. You know, Dana, thank you so much for having me yeah, on here. Buddy. I appreciate it. I love you, brother. <laughs> I love you too, partner. Um, <laughs> for anybody out there who's struggling, you're not alone. Mm. It's not just you. It's me. I'm in this fight with you. Yeah. Dana is in this fight with you. God is in this fight with you. Yeah. I know you may feel like you're not loved, you don't belong, you're not worth it, you're not smart enough, you're not good looking enough, you can't ever do anything right, it's never going to get better, nothing is ever going to change, it can't be good for you, that's a lie, that is a bold faced lie. It's not true. So if you're struggling, I guarantee you there's somebody out there who's close to you that you could reach out to that's willing to help, Yeah. that's willing to listen. I got in my own way for a very long time. I was so afraid of being rejected one last time that I couldn't ask for help. I was so afraid that it was never going to change. And I was so afraid of change that I wanted it to be the same. And I want you to know that that lie that you've been believing is not true. Right. The devil is selling us something that he can't even provide. Right. He's going to promise you that if you just do this, if you just stay here, right. or if this changes that everything will change. Right. It's not true. You are worthy. You are loved. There's value inside of you. Yes, absolutely. And I want you to push. I need you to push. Yeah. I need you to get up and say, not anymore. I won't live like this. I can't live like this. I want you to get up and say, I love myself until you believe it. And if you can't believe it, 
we're going to find some people that could tell you that I love you until you can believe it. We'll believe it. it for you. Yeah. We'll believe it until we do you believe it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, man. I love the stories of redemption, bro. God is just good. God is good. Listen, if Life Talk Radio has provided actionable strategies for you today and we've provided you with value, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe to our channel and uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And we pray the blessings of the Lord over your life. You have value and you have purpose.